These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hello, welcome to This Is Your Afterlife. I'm your host, Dave Marr. This is my podcast, my comedy podcast, where I talk to creative people about death and what gives their lives meaning. My guest this week is John Spillane. John Spillane is an Irish comedian, very good buddy of mine. He was my comrade at arms in Edinburgh, especially my first year there at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2018. Who knows when I'll be back? I'm planning 2022 at this point, unfortunately, because I am respecting this pandemic. Unlike, uh, I mean, like hopefully all of you, but can we please just hate the people we're seeing doing just people giving us their, when, when you talk to someone and they're like, well, I'm being really safe. And then they list all of the shit they're doing that you're like, I would never do those things. That's not us, right? We are the sane ones. They are crazy. I will see you at Edinburgh Fringe in 2022. Anyway, John is so funny. He's been cranking out videos on Instagram during the pandemic, which reveal the cracked insanity of, I feel like, his mind during this time. But they're really good. They're really funny. You should check them out. You can find them at the John Spillan on Instagram. Find that link in the show notes. Find all the links to my website, my newsletter in the show notes. You can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Get this full episode. There is over an hour and a half of content. Content. The show. The conversation went very long. And if you love a long podcast, go to my Patreon. Pledge at any level. You'll get that. There's so much more there. Thank you to my pigeon-level patrons, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, for help making this show possible. If you like what you're about to hear, make a note to tell a friend or just mark it in the app you're using. Click five stars, write a little review, say, this got me wet, you know, whatever. I don't know what happened. My plan was to make this real tight and just get right into the episode. I think that's still what we're about to do, but we got a little off the rails. So let's steer back in. And listen to my conversation with John Spillane. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, like if like if you could do your comedy in front of an arena, a do you think it you could you could find an arena show that worked? And B, would you want to do? If that? I could have an arena budget, like I'm getting like a budget, I can do some mad stuff here. Like I've got this giant stage, and I've got all the effects, the giant screens behind me, and I've got the huge runways, and like, yeah, I want to do an arena show, but it would never be cost-effective. All the extras involved, the props, the costumes, the parades, no, no, no. It would be too much of an extravaganza, but it would be so What are the first three things you spend money on if you have an arena budget? Uh, An arena budget. Uh, I need like a giant puppet of myself. Do you like the Lion King? Like like people operating like a version of me coming around (laughs) a Lion King style walking. Do you mind like my crowd surfing bit? That except from every entrance, giant puppets of me crawling over the audience and like putting their arms on top of people. And like everybody in the audience gets touched by a puppet of me. Uh, that's a bad soundbite, but I stand by it. <laughs> okay. 
what are the other two things? Other two things. Um, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The man. The man. I've got to get him involved. I would love to end a show legitimately with me like saying goodnight, like kind of breaking character. Hey, goodbye. uh," And then you hear the glass shatter and his Titantron comes on and I'm like, oh shit. And then a stone cold comes out and he just kicks me in the gut and gives me a stunner and sends me off. And then he ends the show, like throwing beers at the people and waving goodbye (laughs) while I'm just unconscious on stage. I would love that so much. That sounds amazing. Okay. What's number three? Number three. Um, Okay. Uh, number three. So kind of big, like, hmm. I would. It's bloody dead air. I, I, something. Uh, I would. Uh, number three is I would like to have like uh, my parents suspended from a cage. made to watch the show and there's like a camera in it so every so often we can cut to and see how they're reacting to the show like i say something particularly outrageous and i go let's uh, cut the brian cam and it's just my dad just shaking his head like why did you make the puppets touch them john why did you make the puppets touch them and i'm just like "Ah." so you're also directing it from the stage yeah You're, you're directing the camera shots you're saying cut to brian cam yeah the whole thing the the show would have to be me directing the show so it would be lots of cut to this, cue this, do this. And of course, then things going wrong and, and things not working out and me getting frustrated. And I feel like if we keep doing this, you're going to get really frustrated because you're coming up with it. To me, it sounds like a very entertaining show and you're going to get so annoyed that you can't, that you don't have this arena budget to make this show. Someday, baby, someday. I mean, it sounds like a flaming lips doing a wrestling show is like what it, what it sounds like to me. That's exactly what I want. So this is the point where we hard pivot and I ask you, what do you hope happens when you die? What do I hope happens? So I get to pick. Yeah. Um, what do I hope happens? I, as it's a little bit hack, but like I want like cartoon heaven. Okay, like what is part of cartoon? Clouds and angels and a big guy with a big white beard, and he's like ho ho ho, and I'm like yeah, bloody nail the god, and I get uh, I just get all the stuff I want. I just kind like of have fun. Like, I don't know. Like, I get, I, I think in my mind, I want a house that's 300 stories tall. And then suddenly I've got a house that's 300 stories tall. And uh, I want this food to eat right now. And oh, I don't want to be full anymore. Get rid of that full. And I want something else. And yeah, give me that. So magically, man, it's like magically manifesting things too, yeah. where you just imagine it and it suddenly appears. It suddenly appears, yeah. I don't know the implications of that because then, you know, you're like, oh, I want to hang out with my friend. And then they arrive. I want to hang out with Dave. And you arrive and you're like, I don't want to. And you go. And I'm like, but I want you. And you arrive. And I'm like, but I'm doing this other thing. And you go. I'm like, oh, well, I want a different Dave. So I want a clone of Dave to do the thing with. And then well, all of right, a sudden, right, right. there's like 20 Dave Mars running around heaven, all of them talking to you about very serious things. They're all just trying to drag <laughs> people down. 
there grabbing angels. Here, let's talk about philosophy for a minute. And he's like, I'm a fucking angel. I know the answers. Don't try and hypothesize with me and the clones of you are huh? and since they're cl- not only are they you but they're also clones that's a whole other identity issue they're feeling and they're like oh, am i a copy of a copy what am i how human am i oh, it's, it's gonna be a nightmare or oh no 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 i know i know what i want this is what i actually want now okay. i want when you die uh, you go back to the start of your life. I with, want another go. With the knowledge, like, memory isn't wiped. Like, personally, for myself, yeah. Yeah, it's not I would wiped. Like, yeah, it is wiped. It isn't wiped. Or maybe maybe okay. I get through a certain... Maybe I get through my childhood again. Or... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I want another go. I think I'd more goes at Earth would be more fun. At, at the exact same life, or would you be put in different like cultures and mm. contexts and time periods? I definitely want another go at this life. Why? I don't know. I'd love to like just try something different. What would you try different, though? I don't know. I'd what do you feel like? You do different things in school. Life. I'd be more comfortable maybe in school, like in secondary school. I'd own my shit a little better. You know, own who I am. Be like, yeah, I'm a weird guy who likes doing weird stuff. I just lean into that, not worry so much about what other kids think. Uh, I'd mm-hmm. uh, be way more confident with girls at school. <laughs> you know, like the terror you have of of other girls in school. Like I would just be. Mm-hmm. The anxiety I had over crushes I had over people I now recognize definitely fancied me or at the very least I would have asked them out and they would have said no and I would have gotten over it eventually. But these like, yeah, I have a crush in secondary school and it would be eight months of ang- anxious speculating. And I'd be like, oh, there's this party in six weeks. Maybe if we're sitting next to each other at the right time, at the right moment, something can happen. Instead of me just going like, hey, this is a bit random, but you want to go on a date? I know, but what would you do if you really just were direct and went on dates in secondary school? Like, it, it, it would be anticlimactic like like you need those like long aching crushes because what else Absol- are you going to do? I absolutely you do. I wouldn't change it now. But I want you just to just I want to just it. different. I just want to try different things now. You know, if I'm yeah. getting another go, if I'm getting infinite goes, I want to do one where I'm really confident in secondary school. <laughs> I want to go where I you know what? I decide I'm going to if I'm getting infinite goes, I want to do one where I just knuckle down and try and be a business family guy. I want to do one where I'm a wrestler. I want to do one where I just Go around the world doing as many drugs as possible. I want to do one where I join the priesthood. I want to do every one. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely get the desire to do multiple ones. For mm-hmm. me, I don't know if doing every one sounds as appealing. Like the business guy one doesn't sound that great to me. I It doesn't sound that great. I'll give you that. It's not the most exciting. Because it's like but, you're doing it for like completion's sake. You're like, oh, and then that was the one where I did business guy. But in terms but, of living it, I'm like, I don't want to go live 80 years of business guy, you know? 
See, I don't want to do 80 years of business, like going into the office, doing this, doing that. But I want to experience the things that business guys get to experience that I didn't get to experience. Like, yes, I would maybe want to do satisfaction. Yeah, on weekends. Like if you if you had if you had just weekends and vacations of business guy, that would be interesting to to get like entree into these shitty, toxically masculine like golf worlds, mm. you know, and like the cigars and like like that would be an interesting if I didn't have to do the business, if I could just have the like accoutrement oh no uh, what i'm thinking is like coming home after work and your kids run and greet you at the door and can and hug your knees that's what i'm thinking about and seeing your okay. seeing people really i'm thinking about being a dad <laughs> but like uh yeah i won't i won't that i think that'd be i love life even though it's really hard and i would like more life more goes at life I want to, yeah. in my life right now, I want to experience as many things as possible. There isn't really, even terrible things. I was talking to my dad about it recently, and I talked about like this horrible roommate experience I had where it was, there was a couple where they were just like, had uh, more than vivacious sexual appetite. And they would like <laughs> have the door open, you just walk past them having sex, or you'd be trying to go to work and the bathroom be locked and you'd be waiting ages and you'd come out and they'd co- both come out haven't had a bath in the morning neither of them worked like and it was horrible but i'm so i love that i experienced it i know what that's like you yeah. know i want to experience everything bad good i just want to experience as much different stuff as possible and know what it feels like and so as many goals that life gives me that but it's interesting that you want to keep it in your body that, that, that oh, it doesn't mean, you know, like I want truly- goes. I want I want goes from my life in my body, and then I wouldn't mind goes at other bodies. Then, you know, like okay. maybe maybe I do like five, ten. I wouldn't want to, you know hundreds of my body, but you know, like right. a couple of goes at my life, and then go, okay. I'm ready now to go reincarnate me into a new body, new new time, new nothing. Not the past, obviously. Yuck. But uh, <laughs> yuck, not the past. Obviously the future. And not too far in the future because I predict more yuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you think right, the present is yuck, which it is, there's more yuck to come. Now I want to ask you about funeral planning. Yeah. Have you had thoughts about how you would want your funeral to go, how you would want people to either mourn or celebrate your life? Yeah. I've thought a lot about it. Really? Uh, yeah. Loads. Too much. I think about that death. I really don't want to die. Like, I'm so afraid of it. I don't want it. Uh, Me too. I have fantasized and never gone and done it, but I've really fantasized about doing this is starting a tradition where every year on like January 3rd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, recording a self-facing video that's stored on my laptop. That's titled, if I die this year, 2021, these are a few things I want to say. And where me and my current age talk about the people in my life, talk about my current life, 
thank the people, give love to the specific people who are important to me this year, if my funeral is this year, and have it played at that year's funeral. And it does it feel like tempting fate? Is that why you haven't done it? It feels a little bit like tempting fate. A little bit like tempting fate. Uh, I also wonder about like, oh, I'd have to give some of my password. They'd have to find it. Why are they going to watch all the old ones? What happens if I'm going out with somebody in January and then I break up with them in March and then I die in November and then I'm talking loads about this person I broke up with? (laughs) You know, like there's lots of uh, someone cheats on me and then I'm talking about how much I love this person who cheated on me. And they're awkwardly (laughs) sitting in the funeral like, oh, God, John, shut up. But I mean, that would be a good payback if you, you know, in a way, just your sincerity would be such a pure revenge and like allow them to experience such deep guilt, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Maybe if I break up with someone, I'll just record it in, I really lay it in thick afterwards and pretend like it was recorded before. Exactly. Someone looks at the file like, this was recorded in December or after you. So, hmm. okay, so you've thought about that, but you haven't done it. Uh, I've thought about that. Funeral. I want a really funny funeral. How so? Like, I, like there's got to be a couple of bits involved. <laughs> like, there's got to be, uh, so, like, make it really, like, Halloween-ish, like, ghoulish, uh, like, specters and all that kind of crack. I want, uh, like, pre-planned bits if i get pre-planned if i know i'm gonna die like i'd love to plan bits with friends comedian friends of mine to do like eulogies that go wrong uh people like have like have like a guy this is only off the dome but like have a guy like burst in through the doors and go like i object Ooh, wrong church and have him leave you know like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so just kinda, like a, a production that goes like massively mm, wrong yeah like like have you know when like the pallbearers bring in the casket have it like organize that like guys i know this is you can have your own sad day after but like during this that like all of you like over dramatically all reach out and try and rub the coffin like if there's i'm imagining there's like 200 people there and they're all just reaching out crawling at my coffin like don't take him don't take him we miss him like too over the top like obviously nobody misses me that much like this kind it's of- like a morbid version of the crowd surfing bit yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. exactly a reverse crowd surfing bit yeah i want that i want like 20 Brazilian models all sat in the front two rows and like have just like my friends do bits where they whisper to people like, oh, those were his mistresses. Those are his mistresses. Oh yeah, those are his mistresses. Um, yeah, I want <laughs> like if it could be like double booked with like our real estate convention or like if they... <laughs> Like McNulty Realtors are sponsoring the funeral, so we did like uh, like give a chance to them to talk about like a real estate company. Um, just bizarreness and create and just really ratcheted up. I don't want this is what I'm really getting at. I don't want a lick of sincerity at my funeral. Why? I, I don't know. I think it would go against me. I'm very hard being sincere. Um, See, but and- I, I know you've said this before, but I don't really like, I don't think you're exactly, I mean, I know obviously you're the expert on yourself, but I object. 
I don't <laughs> think that I don't think you're quite right with that because I think you're very sincere. Um, mm. and and I do think you're because because I don't find you what you do your like comedy or your or even you just interpersonally mm. to be particularly um emotionally cut off or distant um i don't know cuz i cuz mm. i find it able like I, it's able to um relate with you and interface with you and i can tell your like fears and <laughs> desires you know and and I, I don't so so I don't know what it is. I don't I, know what what the right word is for what you're saying, but I don't think it's a lack of sincerity. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think I am. Maybe, when I was younger, I was definitely guiltier of just doing bits all the time and all. You know, this whole like not letting letting the real guy out. Maybe uh, uh, lots of time spent with our mutual friend Michael Rice. You know, he definitely. I remember one time, like, we were we were walking out of 7-Eleven. We had a few drinks. We were in a big group of friends, but me and him were tracked back. And I made some kind of a joke. He asked me about something, and I, in a very silly voice, said the thing that was upsetting me. And he was like, okay. you know, you don't always have to, you can just talk, you know, you, you can just be, you can just be yourself and talk about what's, what's at you, and I'll listen. And I was like, oh, shit. And, I've never experienced and what that before you? from male friends. <laughs> Oh no. Okay. I gotta, I gotta digest this for a minute. Yeah. I think it's, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, cause I do feel your aversion to, um, uh, to, I don't to, like to, pretensions maybe, or people affecting like false heaviness, false heaviness. Anything that's kind of rings as false really gets me. Um, People, you know, if I feel like someone's saying something that's they're trying to sound emotionally true instead of actually coming from a place of true emotion, that makes gives me the willies, it gives me the creepy crawlies. I don't like people like that. So even though, okay, maybe I I I am able to be sincere and I can talk honestly with people. Um, I think the truest part of myself is maybe the foolishness. Um, and I would rather, I would love a funeral that celebrated foolishness. The next segment you're actually familiar with, and you're one of the few people who are familiar with it because I have to explain to people that this podcast is an organic outgrowth of the Feed Wolf Ice Cream Show. Oh, okay, and, okay, okay. I think I know where we're going. Okay. Yeah, and so I talk about it as if it's like a worldwide show that many people have seen, you know. Um, so you can help me propagate that myth, basically. But the segment is Relive One Memory. So you yeah. write, you might remember that the premise is in the afterlife, we all get to choose one memory to fully re-inhabit. You're not stuck in it. You can just visit it whenever you want. You're not just remembering it. You're like in your body, but you only get to pick one. What would that memory be for you? Did you do this? Did, were you in? Did, did no, I? I, I, didn't, I didn't go on stage for this, no. 
Okay. Okay. I didn't go on stage for this. Um, and I, th- this, when you asked me to do the podcast, it came into my mind, Oh, maybe he'll ask me that. And really? then, and then I didn't think, and then I put it away and I'm so annoyed at myself. I didn't follow that good instinct and try and th- think of an answer. Cause I'm, I'm stuck. Uh, uh, it doesn't – well, you don't have to like think of the best thing. It's more – I mean it's yeah. kind of better that you didn't overthink it. Okay. This is where my gut's going. It's a moment. Is it, It's a moment. It's not uh, – it mom- It's up to you. It can, be, okay. it can be – I think it can be up to a year. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's because I would want it to be like something like that. But no, yeah. go where, wherever you're going. Yeah, if it's a year, I would do my uh, my year living in Chicago because I come home for Christmas in the middle of that. So I get – and I had good times with my, my school friends then. So I'm, that would be a great year. But no, for if, if I got a zone in verse – okay, that's the year I would do. This mm-hmm. is what I'll do. I'll do the year, the day, the moment. So the year okay, I would great. relive, if I could relive a year, it's that year. So it starts when I, the week before I go to Chicago, I've got that time with my family, going to Chicago, months in Chicago, back home for Christmas, time with my friends, family, back over to Chicago again. And it ends with me going on my first Fringe Festival. And that's a year. That's I a went from year. Chicago. So that, that'd be my year. Uh, if I could do a day, uh, Mike Rice's birthday during that year was the best day of my life. So really? fun. Yeah, it was me, Chris Higgins, uh, Carly Kane, Tucker Brookshire, and Mike. And we had just the best day ever. We walked along Lakeshore Drive. It was small, intimate, full of like huge belly laughing, uh, but then deep conversations. Uh, it was really just the best day of my life. Uh, so that would be the day if I could relive a day. Um and if I could relive a moment during that, we were coming to the end of the day and uh, everybody was kind of, we're all getting, you know, we're a little wasted now or energy's kind of dipping a little bit. Uh, we're all kind of just, the, the wind has le- left our sails a little bit, just a small, tiny bit. Um, so I walk, I just leave the, the attic of the, our house there, which was a cool hippy-dippy kind of place. So I left that. And I went and I snuck out and I got us all a bunch of ice cream. And I came back and the guys just assumed I'd gone to bed or snuck off or whatever. So they were all just talking amongst each other. Still, things are going along. Maybe I've dipped a tiny bit since I left. And I came in with this, like, just too much ice cream. More ice cream than individually wrapped have. things like, like little big treats? tubs from a CBS, like tubs of ice cream with spoons, like a feast of ice cream, like more than my. And I walked in, and just the looks on their faces of like, and we're having an ice cream party now. Is this what's happening? Like, minds blowing, like, Rah! and the amount of energy that gave us, and then the big ice cream party we had that would be the moment I would relive. Did you engineer, like, were you, sh- did you go out? for ice cream with that reaction in mind? Yeah. Yeah. It was solely ego driven. <laughs> there was the, ego was at work. Like it was, it was like, Oh, ice cream would be, it would really, this is a really thoughtful thing for me to do. And it's exactly what the group needs. And no one has identified. It's what we need. 
So I'm going to quietly go out, I'm going to selflessly do this, and I come back, and I'm going to get all that adulation and all that glory. And then we're going to have a great ice cream party. So yeah, there's some ego in there. What flavors did you pick? Loads. Uh, I didn't get any, like, I got, like, a mint, I got two different types of chocolate ones, like a chocolate brownie, a chocolate caramel, a mint tub, a strawberry tub, um, and then maybe, like, some kind of, like, a vanilla pistachio kind of a fancy Mm. one. Like, it was way, I was walking around with this stuff, like, it was lucky it was very near our house, but I looked like a real fool with the amount of ice cream I was carrying. Is this a move? Do you, like, is that a move that you do a lot? I'll do like, I do like, uh, I've been told I can be quite thoughtful and I love trying to be thoughtful and it comes from definitely a selfish place. Or maybe this is where the fear of sincerity comes in, where you're like, where you're like, oh, you're just not comfortable with saying, oh, I did this really nice thing and and it made everyone happy. You you have to say, you know, and so it was. It would it really uh, was a was an attention getter and it was an ego boost for me. Um, yeah, I just I just think that's that's the honest truth. I would feel <laughs> I would feel like I was being I would feel insincere or I'd feel like a bit of a phony to say like I just went out I just wanted to do a nice thing and everybody was really grateful. No, I went out and I knew I was going to get a reaction or I felt I was going to get a reaction and. Uh, that wasn't the sole motivator. I was also like, ice cream is going to be delicious. It's going to create a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it wasn't the main motivator even, but it was in there and it was definitely part of the decision-making process. What's your coma? By which I mean a moment of transformation where before you were one thing, it happened. And then after you became something different, you had a layer pulled back and you felt more mm. yourself. I've definitely had various moments like that. I definitely I can look back on lots of these anchor points from the last couple of years specifically. Like definitely like I had very few of them in the first like 25 years of my life. And I've had like a couple of them since. Um, I'd say the first and probably most significant one was that Edinburgh, my first time I went to Edinburgh. And I had come back from Chicago and I loved my time in Chicago. Uh, It was the happiest I ever was like on a friendship level. I love all my friends from Ireland, but I made so many new friends in America and so many people who were like so specifically, your school friends are friends who are around you and you grow up together and that forms a bond, Uh, a stronger bond than any other friendships can make match unless you go through something similar uh but the 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 friends i made in chicago not only we went through that we're stuck in the same place together trying to make us comedians in chicago they also all like the same stuff as me they all like comedy and they're all dry they all have the same ambitions and drive but they also then on top of that are all different and eclectic and they all you know they're all interesting cats uh but i was very low on myself comedy wise i felt like I had always, up until then, I had felt like I was always doing one of the best in my class, or I felt like I had been like one of the better comedians for people of my experience level. And I felt like I'd really taken a step back. And I was like, most of my good friends are better than me now. 
I'm when you definitely below them. When I was in Chicago, towards the end of my time in Chicago, I was looking at specific friends like Chris Higgins and Mike Rice, uh, uh, Carly Kane, and I'm like, they're all, they're all better than me now, and they're like more themselves. They're very authentic, and I feel like I'm kind of fake. And if I kind of riff, I'm very funny. I can riff a bit, but my jokes, I don't like my jokes. They don't feel authentic. They feel like they're doing the jokes they're supposed to be doing, and I don't feel like I am. And I was probably my closest I ever was to quitting. And then I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with uh, on a lineup show. Right. Uh, so it was me and three other, you know, uh, Donna Tiernan and Stephen Ryan, two friends of mine starting out in comedy from the university. Uh, and, so you had 20 uh, minutes. So I had 20 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, we would change it every night. That One person would headline and do 20. Most nights then you're doing like 10, 12. Uh, but I was like, I'll just do that and it'll be fun. And I went over and the first half of the festival, I was just doing my best jokes and it was fine. And we were, the room was full and it was fun hanging out with my friends. But again, like I, I, I didn't feel like this was going all that way. And then I went to see Zach Zucker, uh, who from Zach and Vigo and he does, uh, the, uh, what's his name? What, what was his American character? Jack Tucker. Jack Tucker. Jack Tucker. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I saw him do his solo show. This is before the success of Jack Tucker blew up. That mm-hmm. had, it was at Big Edinburgh. This is his solo show. That wasn't even all that well attended, it seemed. At least the two times I went, there was lots of seats. It was, you know, half empty. Uh, and it was kind of a mime clown show. A little bit stuff with the mic. But I'd never seen... Uh, I just went on a whim and, and saw it. And I had never seen someone just do whatever they wanted on stage or what I felt was somebody. So I was like, oh, you can do anything. And it really opened a window in my head like, oh, you don't have to go up and hold a microphone and tell stories. You can do whatever you want. All you have to do is go on that stage and you can do whatever you want. The show is you're the show. You do what you want. And I left that show and I went in to uh, Cabaret Voltaire and I sat down and I took out my notepad and I said to myself, all right, if you could do whatever you wanted on stage, what would you do? And at this stage, I hadn't written a new bit in like six months. I hadn't written a good new bit in like a year. And I wrote like 10 bits, just 10 ideas, 10 things like that'd be so like really like, yeah, I'd love to love to do that. Some of those things are still in my act you know some of those things are still still stuff i do today some of them are thrown away but then like the second half of that festival was just me i'm like i'm just gonna experiment every night i you know put my phone up to a speaker doing weird sketches with people bringing crowd surfing bits wildness and i felt like every day i was becoming more and more the comedian i wanted to be and by the end of it i like felt like i've unlocked myself now since then i've had many moments of self-doubt and self-reflection be like maybe i should be an observational comedian again (laughs) maybe i should be storyteller uh maybe i should do this uh or that but that was definitely my biggest dose of petrol into my engine and uh has then Were were people responding to it yeah I was, and the first time I, that first night, even though I didn't have all the tracks ready and lots of it was improvised, was the best. I, I, had done, I hadn't done better than that than the rest of the festival so far. 
That was my best. Oh, really? The night before, like, if I had done, like, ten shows, maybe this was, like, a, a, a third of the way through the festival. If I had done ten shows already, whatever my best show of that previous part of the festival, with my best bits in ten minutes, wasn't as good as that first night doing those half-baked ideas. And it's because I probably sold it and had energy and enthusiasm and was doing stuff I liked. So, so it really was, like, overnight you became a better, more authentic, more joyful comedian. Yeah. And there was definitely ups and downs and it's not for everybody. The stuff I do, that's okay. Uh, but I immediately felt a difference in my own attitude in the way audience was responding to me. It wasn't just, I was getting a laugh, like just different, a different kind of laugh I hadn't heard before. Like, there was shock and energy and I really felt like people were giving something back to me as opposed to me just waiting and hoping for a response. Uh, it felt just very organic and all again, my, uh, my own self defenses now are crawling up and being like, stop talking. No, don't. These are all very, uh, pretentious things to be saying, but yeah. Stop talking uh, about yourself on the podcast where you're the only guest. Yes. But I definitely just felt exhilarated and it has, I've had similar moments against stand-up wise, but it's extrapolated into my own personal life of stop caring so much about what people think. You know, I would be always worried about what my family would think, what my parents would say, what my friends would say. And all, you know, since then it's been, I, you know, a consistent paring down of, no, just be yourself, stay true to who you are, be as authentic as possible and trust that, people will respond and the people you love will still love you. And I've definitely found that I would be saying like, Oh my God, my parents, my family would think I'm so weird. And then no, they don't. They've always thought you're weird. You're a weird guy. Yeah. Right. Like, right, they, right, they, right. They, yeah. But they, 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 they still love you. They're not like, Oh, you're an alternative comedian. Shame shunned. <laughs> you know? Uh, Did you ever tell Zach that? No, mm. no, I've, I've only, I've met him. A couple, because he's just seen me go to a couple of his shows, or so he mm. half recognized me as like a. I did. I went to his show, that show on the last night. I remember, and he had like one of his mates come on because it was really low attendance, and just come on and do a bit of stand up, and was bombing, and like kind of picked me out of me, and like, why aren't you liking this? Why aren't you? I've got a bad face for comedy. If I'm not really right, laughing, right. I look. I've got like resting, uh, hate this face, and yeah. I'd be like, no, no, I really like. It. He's like, why don't you? you're here at a weird comedy show. Why don't you like weird stuff? And then, uh, he was like, call, called out to Zach, Zach, look at this guy. And Zach came out and was like, Oh, that's John. John's really cool. And then like, gave me a big <laughs> thumbs up and then walked away. And then like completely took the wind out of the sails of the guy. So I was like, Oh, thank you for. Also, how unweird is it for a comedian to berate an audience member? It's like, there could be nothing more rote and hack than mm. shouting at an audience member for not liking the show. So if you're going to yeah, say do that you're doing weird comedy. Act. I will have yeah, it for the record, ironic. But, it, but it's ironic. Yes, but it's ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, there, yeah, it's, no, I forgot that. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, there's nothing sillier than someone taking themselves so seriously and getting annoyed at somebody for just not liking a joke. Well, and That's there's so nothing more silly. painful than them doing it sincerely. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, you know, because I used to do that shit, like, it, it was actually more towards the end of my improv days and the beginning of my stand-up days. And and thinking about it now, I'm like, my big mistake was thinking that the audience cared more about my experience than they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, if they knew how unpleasant this was for me, they would understand why I was lashing out. But it's mm. like, it's like, they don't, why, why would they, why would they care about that? Here's a thing I've kind of realized and I don't always have it in my head, but like people, people love like a great, like if somebody comes out and does something different that they love, that makes them feel so good. They love that. Like if somebody comes out and does something generic that they don't really vibe with, they're bored. If somebody comes out and does something wild and different or just something they don't know and they hate it, they love that too. They don't love it when they're in the room, but they have fuel. Everybody they're going to meet for a week, they're talking to. Every bad movie you've seen that you've hated, you've hated a movie, you yeah. love talking about that movie with people. So if That's you're, funny to say. Have you ever said that on stage? What? To say oh, that, that like, like, if if people are hating it, to say that like I know you're hating this now, but and I'm not saying your opinion is going to change, but for the rest of this week, you're going to be able to talk about how much you hated this show, and that is a gift that I'm giving you. So no, if you are thinking about walking out and not putting money in the bucket, you really should think again because you you owe me for the stories you're going to be able to tell about this show for the rest of your life. I do. I, 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 good... I am going to do that. I am going to say that on stage. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. is good. Uh, I'll take note of that. I do say. I used to say a thing. I, th- I say it often at the end of fringe shows, which, which would be like, uh, you know, oh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Da, 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 da. I know some of you didn't. I know some. There are some people here. It's if it, it might be one person, it might be all of you. Some of you did not like what I did here, and yeah. that's okay. But I bet you know someone who would. I bet you've oh, got that nephew really who you know would love this. And all I ask, go and find that person, text them, tell them something they'd like. You owe it to them. <laughs> yeah. You owe it to them. The weirdos, there's not a lot of stuff. It's hard to find the weirdo stuff because we don't get the immediate, we don't hit the algorithm uh, always so just do your weird friends a favor do your weird relatives a favor and tell them about the weird stuff that's the show thank you so much for listening follow john at the john spillan on instagram that link is in the show notes as well as links to follow me find my website find my newsletter which goes out every week i'm really proud of it hella immaculate you can find all my stuff at this is Dave Mar. This is DaveMar.com. Go to patreon.com slash DaveMar to listen to the full episode. We get a whole different experience. And that's the case with all these episodes. So, like John said, if you liked what you heard, tell a friend. If you didn't, tell the person who you know would. And I will talk to you next week. You are human. Only human. And human beings they do. 